This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. I'm Umi Howard, director of the Lippmann Family Prize at the Wharton School, and today I'm here with Liesel Van Riper, the vice president for development at Miagro. Welcome. Hi, Umi. Thanks for having me. So, Lizelle, uh, the idea for my agro came from uh, the vision that there was an opportunity to reimagine the way that smallholder uh, farmers in Africa were repaying their loans. Can you tell us a little bit about the start of my agro and what inspired it? Sure. So, my agro was actually founded by Anushka Ratnayake, and she was an early employee of Kiva, where she was learning all about microfinance and realized pretty quickly that if she wanted to make a dent in poverty, she would have to work with smallholder farmers. Moved very quickly to Kenya and Rwanda working with One Acre Fund. And while she was there, she was figuring out how to help farmers repay their loans at higher repayment rates. And it was during this time working on loans, working on expanding microcredit, when she experienced farmers approaching her trying to prepay their loans early. And this was surprising because, you know, they didn't need to, but yet they wanted to prepay when they had the cash. She even had some farmers pay the next year's loan in full before even, before even getting the loan. And the reason this was so interesting was because the notion is that farmers are too poor to save. They don't actually have money to save. So even though these farmers were practicing the uh, they, they were speaking the, the language of credit. They were actually practicing the behavior of savings. And Anushka was starting to see that maybe credit isn't going to be what's going to scale and actually include e- enable farmers to have some access to finance. And you may know that right now the annual need for farmers, uh, the annual financing need for farmers, all the smallholder farmers in the world, if they could have the right amount of fan- financing to invest in their fields, it would be about $200 billion a year. And only a quarter of that is being met currently. So credit is pretty limited in its reach when it, when it comes to smallholder farmers. So Nushka realized that there really was an opportunity to you know, look at the ability for farmers to save their own money and to sort of self-finance the inputs, the seed, the fertilizer, the tools, and the training they need to get out of poverty. So that's how she started, working on microloans and expanding access to microloans and realizing that there's other ways to complement the, the microcredit industry and to, to look at savings as that vehicle to fill the gap. So, Lizelle, can you uh, actually say a little bit more about where exactly you operate and how that affects the model of Miagra? Yeah, so right now we are working in Senegal, which is where our headquarters are located, and also in Mali. And in that part of Africa, in that part of West Africa, farmers have a lot of land. Uh, but they don't have access to the financing they need to invest in those lands and, the, in, and to buy the seed and the fertilizer to do it properly. And so there's an this enormous need. You've got a lot of uncultivated land, and three-quarters of the population in Mali, for example, are farmers. And you've got a lot of young people there who uh, could be potentially the next wave of future farmers for West Africa. So for Anushka, it was a natural... Uh, a natural place to test out this idea of can farmers save their own funds to invest their way out of poverty. Um, in addition, there's also a lot of uh, familiarity with scratch cards, you know, the ability of a farmer to uh, use a scratch card model. Uh, you know, farmers, they, they purchase mobile phone cards 
almost weekly, regularly, scratch off the code, and they punch in that code, and they've just topped off their mobile phone with more minutes. And that's a regular practice in West Africa. So Anushka thought, let's this scratch card model could work really well, and it wouldn't require a ton of behavior change for farmers. Uh, so she wanted to test this model out in Mali. Uh, it worked out well politically. Uh, there was a coup that was followed by a counter coup. So she thought maybe we can also expand into a more stable region, uh, expanded the model into Senegal. And this year we're working with 25,000 farmers in each country. Um, the program's growing, and Senegal's proving a, a wonderful place for us to have our headquarters and our home base and continue testing new ways to increase farmers' uh, productivity and farmer income. So organizations like Myagro that uh, are trying to change people's lives uh, really are dealing with complex adaptive problems, right? The environment changes, uh, the ways that uh, we try to do the work change. Can you uh, point to one thing that's changed in Myagro over the past five years in terms of the way you approach the work? What's changed? Yeah, so we're starting to see now more and more that climate change is uh, a problem for our farmers. It presents a major challenge when our farmers are now contending with uh, shifting rains and uh, shortening rain, shortened rain seasons, uh, more so now than ever. And so when farmers are having to contend with uh, shorter rainy seasons or a rainy season that starts later, we have to figure out how we can help support them. Uh, one of the ways we're doing that, for example, is we've we've rolled out a new product, a new crop package for sorghum. Sorghum is a seed that uh, is drought resistant and it's resilient. You can actually plant it and even if the rains don't come at the time that the farmer's expecting the rains to come, the, the seed will still stay intact and germinate when the rains eventually do make it. So that's a type of seed that, uh, again, a farmer who's contending with unpredictable rains and having very little labor to plant during that short planting season, sorghum is a great package for us to sell and, and it's also nutrient dense. Uh, so we actually sold quite a few packages of sorghum to women farmers this year um, and we plan to expand that program again as a way to help farmers uh, build their resilience against the, the shifting climate. So that would be a recent, more, more recent phenomenon that we're having to deal with. Lizelle, you've worked at several cutting-edge uh, social impact organizations, including Kiva, uh, Kickstart. Can you say a little bit about why you were attracted to Myagro? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. So I've been fortunate because uh, much of my career has been in service and working with and for smallholder farmers and entrepreneurial-minded uh, entrepreneurs, really. And I've always loved working at a, in a model that helps a farmer or helps an entrepreneur lift themselves out of poverty. And microfinance and microcredit has uh, largely spurred that. You know, once an, once an entrepreneur has access even to as little as $400, you know, that can go such a long way in a place like Mali and Senegal. Uh, so I've always been inspired by models that extend and ex expand access to capital. Um, and Myagro is going to do that, and I think in my heart, in a much bigger way than we're seeing right now with microfinance. Myagro's model is tapping into people's own finances. 
It's their own ability to lift themselves out of poverty using what they're already familiar with, you know, their mobile phones and scratch cards. Uh, and to me, that's, ex that's inspiring and it's exciting because I think it has potential to scale across rural Africa in a way that microfinance and microcredit hasn't yet. Um, I see the two as complementary. You know, like I mentioned earlier, there's an enormous financing gap for smallholder farmers around the world. We need as many solutions as we can, and I think of savings and mobile layaway as a complement to microcredit. So that um, really points us uh, towards the future. What do you see uh, for MyAgro in the next five to 10 years? Well, right now we're at an inflection point. Uh, we're working with 50,000 farmers this year. By 2020, we're expecting to be working with 200,000 farmers in that year alone. Uh, we're expanding to Tanzania to trial our model with mobile money. Um, mobile money is prevalent there, and we think that if we can find a way for farmers who use mobile money to save little by little, that that could scale quickly. Um, we also see ourselves on track toward our North Star, which is working with a million farmers in 2025. And by that time, we want to double their farm income. So take farmers who are living on $1.50 a day and get them to about $3 a day. So that's where I really see MyAgro uh, in the next seven years, seven, five to seven years. Uh, how are we going to get there? We're really excited because we're starting to tap into an exciting new distribution channel, and that's savings groups. Uh, so today, there's about 16 million farmers who are already organized into formal and informal savings groups. And so they're already in these savings groups practicing savings patterns, savings behaviors, but they're not using their savings to invest in their fields. So the handful of large NGOs that manage these savings groups, they're now working and partnering with MyAgro, asking us to come in and help those savings group members, who, by the way, are mostly women, help those women savings group members save and divert their savings on what's actually gonna increase their income, which is high quality seed, fertilizer, and training in their fields. Right now, a lot of the savings group members, they're not investing that savings into their fields, and that's where MyAgro comes in. It's actually a really great marriage between the savings groups and MyAgro's model. We drive the impact, and they can, they, they can already use their regular savings behaviors to help lift themselves out of poverty. So that's really where I see us heading is, expanding through these new distribution channels of savings groups. So at the Lippmann Prize, we are very focused on the potential for the transfer of practice uh, between organizations. Um, an organization like MyAgro has a uh, very adaptable framework in terms of the way that you work with government agencies, nonprofits, uh, these savings groups. Um, when you think about the transfer or the spread of the MyAgro model, what do you need in order to make that happen? We've got to build in our platform first. Internally, we've got a mobile layaway platform that we've built on Salesforce. And it's been something that has worked well for us in the last uh, seven years since, we, since we've been founded. Um, we're now at that point where we're serving 50,000 customers this year. Uh, and if we're doubling to 100,000, 200,000, we've got to get a much, uh, much more robust platform. And on the tech side, that's going to enable us to partner more easily with these large savings group networks. Uh, so first and foremost is getting our mobile platform uh, on another level. Um, it's also building out our middle management. Uh, so right now, when you look at the MyAgro model, we've got a whole army of field agents. These, 
these uh, men and women field agents who are working on the ground with our farmers and with the village uh, mom and pop shops to try to enroll more farmers into MyAgro. At the rate at which we're scaling, we need a pipeline of the best from that group who are going to serve as the managers in the middle layer. Uh, so that's going to take uh, a lot of training, a lot of grooming and identifying who our most promising leaders are. Uh, we've got a new training academy that we've implemented that is designed to build the pipeline of future middle managers. Uh, so that's something that we, we're going to have to prepare for is making sure we not only have the right tech and mobile platform systems in place, uh, but that we have the right people who are ready to go and trained and, and ready to grow with us. So you're describing a iterative process for developing the organization and refining the model. Uh, can you share one challenge that you've had over the last few years in getting to the place where you are now and maybe a little bit about how you've worked to overcome it? Yeah. Uh, literacy rates are quite low where we work, uh, in Mali especially. And we have been challenged in our field agents whom I mentioned, those are our frontline staffers who are going out there working with the farmers. And if they aren't literate or the vendors they're working with aren't so literate, then it becomes a challenge to implement our training, our training materials, uh, much of which includes written language. So we've had to adapt by creating low literacy tools, uh, lots of photos, lots of icons, um, we have a smartphone that all of our field agents and our, our mom, the village vendors are armed with. We, we equip them with a, a smartphone, and they use this to actually work with farmers to get them to enroll with MyAgro. And this year in Mali, we've rolled out a low-literacy app. So if I'm talking to you as a farmer, instead of showing you words uh, or trying to read words to you, I, I have very easy-to-use pictures. and. Both of us, if we have low literacy, can go through the process quickly and easily. So that's an area that we're uh, innovating around and trying to build and uh, work around is how do we achieve success and impact in a setting where the literacy rates are so low? MyAgro also is doing work uh, that really emphasizes uh, women's leadership. And so can you talk a little bit about the opportunity that you see there and uh, the ways in which you're doing that? So we're one of the one of the facets about MyAgro that I love so much is we're one of the fastest growing employers of rural youth in West Africa. There are not as many organizations out there that are growing as quickly as we are and rely on um, field staff that need to be from the villages where we serve. So that means we're recruiting at a rate now that's um, it's pretty exciting. Uh, we're constantly looking for qualified field agents to come and work for us and with us. They undergo a lot of professional development. As I mentioned, we now have a training academy, so they're getting a lot of great skills. They become pretty savvy with using a smartphone and using apps, uh, many of whom have never used that before. Right now, our field staff, our field agent staff, is about less than 10, less than 7% women. And we want to kick that up. We would love to see a ratio of 30% of our staff at least being women. And in order to get there, we've got to groom again, find the best one, and figure out how to groom those potential leaders. So this year, we launched something called uh, Leadership des Femmes and it's the Women's Leadership Program. And we're looking for the best and the brightest women who have promise, and we're putting them through training that they've never in their lives received, like how to, 
how to build confidence, um, how to run a meeting, how to delegate tasks, how to, uh, how to use soft skills to win people over, how do you talk to customers in a way that makes the customers feel um, good and you're, you're sort of building up that customer service rapport. Uh, these are all skills that we're teaching in this leadership de femme, and the, the women, they have said repeatedly they've never gotten this kind of training before. They've never gotten professional development before. And we don't see this as just for Miagro. We want to support them for their future careers. You know, this is training that's going to benefit them for their next job, and that's what we want. We want these women to become future leaders uh, from the areas that they're, that they're serving in rural Mali, rural Senegal. So uh, the Barry and Marie Lippman Family Prize combines uh, both a cash award and a partnership. Um, for the winning organization, which is Miagra this year, congratulations. Um, Thank you. You are going to receive 250000 in unrestricted funding. Can you say a little bit about the way that you imagine using uh, that, those resources? Sure, yeah. We, we're constantly building out our systems and our leadership bench. Uh, so I, I mentioned earlier about the, the mobile layaway platform. We want to continue to build that out so we can ensure that when we are working and serving with a million customers in 2025, that we have the right uh, infrastructure to support that because that's a lot of SMS texts coming in in the form of uh, uh, payments. Um, so we want to build out that platform. Um, again, talking about the, the middle management layer, we want to continue building out our training and education program for our field staff to make sure that we are as strong and prepared to serve this, uh, this scale and this inflection point that we're currently facing. Um, we also are experimenting and, and trying to roll out more work with a, a, a planter. It's a Miagro precision planter. Uh, and what we have found is this planter um, let me back up. We actually, the biggest constraint right now that farmers face and why they don't buy bigger Miagro packages is lack of labor. They have said repeatedly if they had a way to plant the bigger packages in time for the rains, they would buy bigger packages. And what we've come up with is a planter that enables them to actually save up to 10 planting days. What, and what that means is if I want to buy a $50 package of seed and fertilizer from my agro, but I know I, there's no way I'm going to plant that in time for the rains. But if I had this planter, or at least access to this planter, I would buy that bigger package. And that bigger package at the end of the season is going to translate into more food and more money for me. So we're, we're, we're experimenting with ways to expand access to this planter. We don't want, we, we're not envisioning that every migro farmer buys this planter, but we want to figure out ways for them to have access to it. Um, so we're investing uh, our resources and our donor funding in um, answering some, some fun questions, like what if we were to have a, a lease program where we lease the, the planter to a village and they rent it out for income? Uh, sort of like a, a library system where there's someone there who's leasing it and they check it out to farmers and that person's generating income. We get, we're experimenting and thinking through some fun, uh, funding mechanisms to, to get many more farmers using this planter. So that's part of what we'll be using the funding on as well, is um, getting farmers to increase their impact. And that translates into you know, activities around the planter and building out our staff and building out our platform. 
In previous conversation, you mentioned uh, that there's the some design work to do with the planter. Uh, it makes me think of the School of Engineering here at Penn. Um, being a Lippman Prize winner makes Miagro a part of not only the Lippman Prize community, but also the Wharton and broader Penn community. Uh, can you speak a little bit to your hopes for the partnership there and how we might be able to uh, support the work of Miagro? My, my hope and vision for this partnership is a multifaceted partnership. Don't get me wrong, the $250,000 in unrestricted cash grant is hugely meaningful to us. Uh, the other parts of the award are also exciting. We would love to take advantage of leadership development. Um, everyone from you know the, the whole leadership team to our promising leaders in the field, uh, they could benefit tremendously if they had access to um, some of the education program, educational programming that you offer. So very excited to take advantage of that, both from members of the staff who are, like I said, at the leadership level and also in the field. Uh, we are always looking for help with our design. Uh, that, that precision planter that we have, we're trying to decrease the, the manufacture cost. How can we lower the cost of that so that it becomes more accessible and affordable? Um, and we're constantly looking for, for new ideas and new, new thought partners. So when you mentioned the design school, that's, uh, that's definitely something we'd want to explore. Um, and I, I think of it also as knowledge sharing. You know, as you continue to grow the Lippman family of honorees, uh, how can we help? What can we do that, what, what, how can we share what we're doing and learning and, and making mistakes on? You know, how do we share that with your larger honoree group and your honoree family? Because we're part of that now as well. Um, so a lot of knowledge sharing, um, that would be of big benefit to us. And we'd be happy to do that. Fantastic. Lizelle, thank you for uh, joining us today and for sharing about Miagro. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Umi, and thanks for the Lippman family and the Lippman Prize Committee for this honor. We're so happy. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.